Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. This is Bruce Longo, director of A Corpse for Christmas and Blood Sick Psychosis, and you're listening to Sick on Cinema Podcast. <laughs> we're back again i guess that's just the uh the intro for uh Miles oh, as tug goes ape shit in the background at least it wasn't during during the interviews yeah which uh matt's alluding to yes welcome back to mild symptoms where once yes. again we're gonna be talking to someone who we've reviewed the movie on mild yeah. symptoms. So go back and listen to us talk about art of self-harm go buy art of self-harm mm-hmm. go, uh, something crazy is going on out there Someone probably back down the hill. Anyways, go buy Art of Self-Harm, watch Art of Self-Harm, and then on this episode here, listen to us talk to the mighty Jonathan Doe about the Art yes. of Self-Harm, which uh, yes. I think this is a, a really great interview. Yeah, uh, get I think a it's a lot of out. stuff. A uh, bit of a warning, though, we do get into this movie pretty in Heavily. detail, so if you don't like spoilers, you're going to want to wait and watch it first. Yes, absolutely. Uh, definitely pick pick this up though it's a great fucking documentary yeah well worth your time we we reviewed it go listen to us talk about it yeah yeah and pick up everything else from future productions because jonathan doe is the man yes absolutely we love jonathan doe here at sick on cinema we do we do he's a we buddy love, we love that jonathan doe we love that doe we love that doe we love that doe there's a shirt that, that, that should be on his website it's a picture of jonathan doe says we love that doe yeah, we love that dough. It's like the eyes. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, of, I was thinking of like having like the Toxic Avenger one. Like well, I heard have, like, that I heard the Monster Hero, but it's not. Love yeah, that dough. yeah, yeah. You're, you're more than welcome to steal that ideal draw the dough. By the way, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, yeah, we want to keep these intros nice, short, and concise, so the uh, the interview is what shines. But we just want to hop on real quick and say, yeah, here it is. Jonathan Doe talking about the art of self-harm. Yes. On mild symptoms. Yes. Take that. <laughs> oh, this would be a one-off thing. One-off thing, my ass. <laughs> one-off thing, my ass. Stephen Curry, my ass. Stephen Curry, my ass. All right, here's Jonathan Doe. Oh, yeah. So welcome back, sir. <laughs> How's it going? Been a busy man. <laughs> Been a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I've been I've been pretty busy, but it's always a pleasure to come back and kick it with you guys. So we're here to talk about several things, but most importantly, as of right now, the art of self-harm. So, you know, we talked a little bit off air and this is going to be a pretty in-depth conversation on the film. So definitely want to like if you haven't seen it and you don't like spoilers, you definitely want to go and uh, watch it first. So want to put that yep. out there. Um, So let's just start at the beginning. Where did the idea for this come from? Um, I was hanging out with, um, Stephen Grischuk actually, and I had gotten my hands on split and I had heard people talk about that in, um, XXX dark web that someone cuts their finger off and then, um, 
And then also with a torture theater in Split that someone cut their finger off. And I really was like, I kind of called bullshit on it because so often in the extreme horror world, when there's like an infamous film and people have all these like rumors about what happens, it usually as someone who like seeks it out and finds it, it usually doesn't live up to the, the lore, you know? So like, I don't know, like snuff R 73 had all these rumors about it. So did um, uh, how to clear a room in 90 minutes or less or whatever people talk about like this is the most brutal fucking thing ever and then you watch it and i was like whatever so i went into watching split uh just being like i i I was going in expecting to be let down and then i start watching torture theater and i'm like oh this is real deal like this is fucking like gnarly and I see the the scene where Daniel cuts his finger off. I see where Cherokee cuts her pussy lip off. And I'm like, these people are terrifying. Like, where's the where's the line with their shit? You know, like I was like, I remember I actually said to Steven, like, I was like, I would be scared to hang out with these people. Like, this is like crazy. And but that is the thing that attracts me to explore different avenues, you know, like when I was a kid, I saw uh, stills from Cannibal Ferox, and I was like, "That that scares me. I'm scared to see that." And so I had to go see it, you know. And as a filmmaker, um, especially diving into the world of documentaries, I was like, "These people need a documentary. Like, someone needs to have the balls to like go out there and actually see what's going on." And so I was like, "Well, fuck it." So I wrote. I wrote to. Daniel and said it asked him if he wanted to be on my podcast he said yeah and that's kind of where we like started forming a relationship and then I was just like you know what like I want an I I myself want to know what does a white gardenia production look like from beginning to end like how do they prepare and then what is it like being being on set with them while they're doing this stuff? And then what's it like when the camera stops rolling? Like what happens after you mutilate yourself and the camera stops rolling? Like what you guys go get food or something or or what, you know? And <laughs> yeah. so I just proposed the idea to Daniel, like, hey, can I come out and make a documentary on you guys? Partly because I've wanted to dive into the world of documentaries and I went and I've always been attracted to the more dangerous documentaries that are out there. The ones that are more infamous, like uh, Titicus Follies or Earthlings. And I was like, I want to make a film that falls into that realm as well of like a hard, hard to watch gut punch documentary. And so I was like, I own a production company I don't, I can make whatever I want. I don't have to censor it. So I figured I could make one of the most challenging to watch documentaries about these people who mutilate themselves. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm not going to cut away. We're going to, we're going to, everyone's going to have to sit here and deal with it and, and hear the psyche and the, and the attitudes and approach that these people have with the really challenging art that they make. And so I was lucky in the fact that uh, Daniel and Cherokee and Allison were all down to be a part of it. I think that they really respected my work and I respected their work. So that's why they kind of like opened the opened up their world to me to see pretty much anything I wanted. But, but I mean, I would say what triggered it is these people scared me and I wanted to, go face that fear i guess <laughs> yeah and it's interesting because we we talk about it like with uh like when i first saw what or any of stuff was uh blood tastes like perfume and it was like stumbling across something on the internet that you're not supposed to see like you're like i'm on the wrong side of the internet kind of thing because i'm like the whole time I'm like is this real like what is this and like yeah so i completely get that because like he his work is like it's it's so stark and like it hits you in such a way that like it is commendable even though it is uh you know pretty extreme shit <laughs> yeah it's like to me it falls in the same like category as like pain olympics or like one guy one jar like really disturbing shit but those are people that are doing things more privately and it was interesting to me that uh that white gardenia like they're doing this stuff with the intent for to distribute and like 
give to people and I don't know. It's and and their stuff is very um artistic and their message isn't clearly laid out. And so it's kind of like, well, what it like what are you guys trying to say? Like what's the message behind whatever it is that you're doing? And um it's cool to like directly just ask those people. Mm. So like the days leading up to getting ready to take off and actually interview what was that like what was the prep like was there nerves involved i'm sure there had to be some <laughs> well after i so i had daniel and allison on my podcast and i interviewed them and during that episode daniel was talking about uh i think i asked like so what happened to your finger and Allison said, well, it's in my freezer right now. And Daniel said, yeah, a lot of people were interested in buying it, but I don't know the legality about being able to buy it. And I told him, I was like, oh, it's, you can sell human remains. Like it's legal. It's, uh, it just depends on like, if it came from an ethical source. So if someone's like robbing graves, that's not ethical. But uh, if you bought like a skull from like a university or something, that would be illegal. And for him, it's his finger. So he can do whatever he wants with it. So it is legal to sell. And I told him like on the podcast, if you listen, you'll hear me be like, I'll buy it from you if you, if you want to sell it. And he was like, well, we'll talk later. So afterwards we talked and he did sell it to me. And so I actually got the finger in the mail and like looked at it like, and I was like, this is the real deal, you know? And so then leading up to the document, going out to actually shoot the documentary, I was, I had some uh, shaky nerves for sure. Cause I was like, yeah, I've interviewed these people. I'm cool with them. But like, I still like from the beginning, like, where's the line with these people, you know? And uh, so I didn't know. And, and they had, and <clears throat> Daniel had expressed that he wanted to shoot a performance in front of me while I was there. So I could do shoot like behind the scenes stuff, which I was excited about but he was being very like obscure about specifically what it is that we were going to shoot. And so I was kind of like, I don't know. I think in the back of my mind was like, am I going to be part of this performance? Like, uh, you know, so I was, I really kind of went in and I was a little nervous. Like, uh, you know, am I, am I, am I gambling with my life right now or whatever? But after spending the first day with them, uh, I realized that, all of them are are sweethearts and uh they they wouldn't hurt they're not a danger to anyone but themselves so i was just kind of like okay you know like these people are great and like i i really genuinely liked getting to know all of them and they're very eccentric and um hardcore like they're willing to do crazy stuff to their bodies for art but um that fear of myself being in danger got relieved after like one day um but but i'm but i'm glad i went but i'm glad i went and faced my fear that's that's what i'm all about is facing my fear and i made some interesting friends in the process it's it's wild like to see the evolution of the project like it's starting from you you know like most of us seeing you know his work and being like what the fuck is this to going to you know interviewing them which i remember when the interview came out and like i woke up to a bunch of messages from people being like have you listened to this have you listened to this and i'm like not yet i'm going to and i remember listening to it and being like oh this is this is it's something else this is like this is wild mm-hmm. and then like not too long afterwards you announced the documentary and i remember me and john were like oh fuck you know this is this is gonna be some wild wild shit and and then of course getting to see it and being like yeah this is some wild fucking shit <laughs> um yeah it, it, i don't know it's it's very interesting to see how it evolved from a simple interview to a full documentary yeah i mean and that's the reaction i was hoping for because a lot of people were saying like they were nervous about uh, the documentary or didn't know what to expect. And um, I actually wanted, I wanted to get the sound levels all balanced. And so I had uh, lucky Soretti help me with like um, doing some audio stuff, some editing stuff. And he watched it and he was like, 
dude, this is fucking, this is like no joke. This is super extreme. And I was like, yeah. And uh, that was, I was glad because I mean, that's exactly what I sought out to do was try to make one of the most disturbing documentaries out there. And I'm not going to go so far and be arrogant and say it's the most, because I mean, there, there is earthlings out there and stuff like that. But uh, I would like to think that it kind of exists within, like if you made a list of top extreme documentaries, it would make, it would make the cut, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like if you have not seen, you know, their stuff before and this is like your introduction of, you know, and seeing the footage that you show it. Yeah, there's no way it's not. There's no way it's not one of the most like fucked up documentaries out there because you're literally seeing people mutilate themselves for art. That, yeah, you're, you're not going to. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think that uh, it, I'm hoping that it provides clarity to people who are familiar with White Gardenia and have seen their work so they get something out of it. Like you kind of get to know a little bit more about who they are as people and their inspirations. But I'm mostly excited for the per- the lay person who has no fucking idea, like anything about it. And it's like, welcome to the deep end, bitch. Like we're jumping in, you know? Mm. <laughs> Like, that's, so. the, that's like the cool thing about the documentary too that I liked where it's like there's probably been people who thought about it but didn't pull that trigger because of what you said because it's like you know when you watch their work it's them jamming fucking scissors into themselves and stabbing their cheeks and hitting themselves with hammers so it's like you know it, it, people are like well, who wants to go do this you know like who's <laughs> gonna be the one to step up to actually do this yeah but like you doing it you're not gonna shy away from showing like the the details you know like you're going to show the finger scene and i've seen the finger scene now multiple times it never gets any easier to watch like it's not like no. it's not like i got jaded to it on the second watch <laughs> i uh was talking to an inmate who's a, a murderer i won't say who but i was talking to somebody uh and i was telling him about this documentary that i had done and this person had has killed someone and proudly so has killed someone and I showed them the finger scene and they were they were like, what the fuck? They're like, that's gnarly. And I was like, that's that's crazy to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is it is wild to like <laughs> think about like only uh, in our world is it like, yeah, I was talking to this murderer. <laughs> yeah. Showed them someone cut the finger off. And, and, and that's that's wild. Um and for those that are curious about the context of that, I mean, I have my my YouTube or my podcast where I interview interesting people and I have interviewed murderers and stuff like that. So you got to you got to make connections in order to get those interviews. So that was the pro- that was the process behind that. But that's, but it was funny to me that they they were shocked by Daniel cutting his finger off. Oh, it's yeah, rough, man. Like the first time I saw it, I was I was. I was shook would be the best way to describe it. <laughs> oh my god! Like, I like I, I'm I'll never forget the first time seeing because like I had seen blood taste like perfume like John did like John like watched it and was like you need to watch this this is fucking crazy I don't know what I to think about it. it I was like is this real what is this <laughs> Yeah I was I was like I don't know if it's real and then I watched it and I was like okay yeah this is pretty real and then you know the split DVD came out and watching that. And then that's when I first saw the fingers thing. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. This really just happened. They really did this. Like, it's no bullshit. They re- he really just cut his finger off. And that it took, uh, it took a while for that to set in for me. And I was like, it, it was, it's almost like going back and watching some of the, like, the, the shocking stuff on the internet that, that you see. It's like, yeah, uh, that's rough. I kind of wish I didn't see that in a way, <laughs> but but something I want to bring up is also the beginning of this documentary is the way you did it was amazing because it sets a fucking precedent where it's like, there's not going to be any further warnings. What you're going to see is real. This is going to get bad. <laughs> Prepare yourself. I like, there's not been many documentaries where it starts like that. It's like, okay, I'm in for some real shit right now. Yeah, I really love 
my films to feel like just a punch in the gut, like right out, right through the gate. Like we open the door, we're here. Like I did that with uh, the degenerates. Uh, like as soon as I open the door, shit's serious. I feel like Barf Bunny kind of does that to you if you're sensitive to vomiting. And that's what I wanted this documentary to be like, here's the warning and we're now it's happening. Like we're, I'm not going to build up to it. Like <laughs> the warning happens and then exactly what I describe is what's next. And a lot of people have complimented that, uh, that intro, which I I'm proud of, you know, uh, you should be, it is, yeah, <laughs> it is like, it is that gut punch that you want from a documentary. And then like, like you hear like a little bit of the audio in the background of like, what's, you know, what you're about to see. Mm-hmm. And then it like comes in to the scene of like, Daniel, like talking to his, his own hands being like, Oh, you're good. You're bad. Mm-hmm. And like, then just beating the shit out of himself with the—I think it was—was was it a hammer, scissors? Yeah, scissors. scissors. Yeah, I was just like, fuck. This is yeah. This is going to be a rough watch. <laughs> yeah, like that. It's going to weed out the weak, the weaklings right away. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> uh, can you make it through this scene? All right, then we'll start. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm glad. That's my favorite segment he's ever done. I love him talking to his hands, and there's the good hand and the bad hand. There's just something really artistic about it, and uh, I think it's fun in a fucked up way. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that. It's- that probably shocked me one of the most. Like I was just like, dang. Like I guess, I guess it's like he's just making such light of of extreme mutilation. Like he's like just playing and you're like that's that's fucked up dude but it's like yeah it's like the most extreme version of like the hands from like not in the hunter or something like that where it's like good evil you know (laughs) and and he's like yeah i gotta do away with and and it's fucking yeah like there there is a bit of humor to it yeah which again i'm sure yeah which i'm sure we'll get to but yeah there's a little a little bit of humor to that scene but it's still fucking shocking is all fun yeah yeah to talk a little bit more about the production of the stuff like going into it was there something that you kind of thought would be the easiest thing to do that ended up being hard and what were some of the challenges of making this thing um i create i basically sat down and i watched their entire filmography like they gave me free access to everything. And Daniel said, you can use whatever you want in the documentary. And so uh, they have a very extensive um, library of stuff that they've done. And so I wanted to just kind of pull out the most significant pieces to talk about each one of them. Um, And so we did that. I think the hardest thing was just time constraints. Like I only had Allison for a day. I had Cherokee on and off and I had Daniel like the whole time. And so I really had to be strategic about, um, like it wasn't just like a free flowing conversation. I really had to like hone in like, okay, I only have this much time like with Allison. So I have to make sure that we talk about these these significant pieces, you know? And um, so like, obviously the significant stuff with Allison is, her nailing uh, Daniel's hands, her being involved with the finger severing scene and the cooking it. And then, um, and then a lot of people didn't know that they did another thing for um, an anthology of them, like making popcorn and stuff with that too, as well as them facing potential legal ramifications when they, when XXX dark web came out. So those were like the big things to talk about with her. And then with Cherokee, I really wanted to talk about, her cutting off her labia and eating it. And I think the challenges were trying to approach those conversations in a respectful way. And in a, I wanted to come off as unbiased as possible. Like this is, the, I'm just providing a platform platform for them to share their uh, beliefs, their motives, whatever. And I mean, that's one thing about uh, journalism that I think is lost is everyone puts in their fucking two cents. You always know when you watch the news, you always know what the fucking um, the person talking feels about it. And I feel like 
it hasn't been since like the 1970s or 1960s that you've seen someone that just goes, this is, this is the facts and do what you want with it. And so that was, I would say at the forefront of my mind when making this was, I don't want you guys to know my opinion, like Jonathan Doe's opinion on what's going on here. Like this is, I'm just trying to share a unique window into this like really niche world that these people have created for themselves. And so, uh, yeah, some of those topics were like interesting to talk about. Like, what's it like to cut someone's finger off or nail someone's hand down or eat it or eat a body part or mutilate your genitals? Um, but it was cool because they were so, to them, that was so not a big topic to talk about, you know? And then underlying all that was even when I announced this documentary, before I had even started production, I was getting criticism from people saying I was taking advantage, like exploiting mental illness and all this kind of stuff. So that was definitely like a topic I wanted to discuss in here is there's a lot of people who are going to watch the documentary and accuse white gardenia of being a bunch of mentally ill people. And how do they feel about that accusation? You know, um, do they feel like I'm exploiting them? You know, like, and so that was definitely another area where I wanted to, I think the hardest part, I guess what I'm getting at is, is how to approach this subject in a delicate and respectful way was the main focus for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the podcast before where it's like the best kind of documentaries are ones that just presents you with the subject and lets you kind of make your own decision on everything. That's why we Mm -hmm. talked about like when we did paradise loss, you know, while paradise loss one, though the other ones may be more entertaining, Paradise Lost 1 is the better documentary because it just shows what's going on and even leaves you with some doubt as it closes. And you definitely like nailed that with this where it's like it just shows you what is happening and who these people are. And at the end of the day, you get to decide, is it art? Is it not art? Are they crazy? Are they not crazy? Like it's all up to the viewer. And yeah, I think that was well done. Yeah, I I appreciate that, man. I appreciate comparing it to paradise loss i really respect that documentary and that's another example of just giving you the facts and sometimes the facts are fucking hard like it shows the crime scene of the three eight-year-old boy boys dead and it's hard to fucking see something like that but that's really what happened that's what we're talking about you know so we don't to fully grasp the the topic you need to see all the facts and and so if you're going to be watching a documentary about the the vicious murder of three eight-year-old boys you kind of need to see all of it and and that's i guess that's the same thing with me is we're talking about self-mutilation so we're gonna show (laughs) self-mutilation you know yeah and it's like you know self you know self-mutilation itself is definitely you know a, a very 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 taboo topic in itself and to you know go out and film this stuff people are going to have harsh reactions to that but people have to realize that you know they're doing this on their own free will you're just the you you were just the camera pointing at what they're doing you know well and i think uh people tend to um discuss self-mutilation and suicide in the same plain like they're the same thing but there's a lot of people out there who do self-mutilation as a form of expression and a form of art and a way to feel alive that has nothing to do with uh suicide like you think about um films like blood runner zero like that's a art yeah. it's an art film and that girl the actress uh is not doing it because she's trying to end her life just like uh white gardenia is not trying to do that either um like uh i was real i mean you've got the you've got each person within white gardenia holds different motivations and belief systems around why they do what they do and you kind of get a window into each one like daniel is terrified of death and wants to prolong his life as long as possible and he explores that through transhumanism but you've got Allison on the other side who accepts death to the point where she does death worship and she 
and through her embrace of death, she she does feel more alive. And um, and I think that Cherokee has her own convictions as well, but um, none of them are suicidal or or want to end their life. And so I think it's also important for people to recognize that even though this is a taboo topic, at no point are, are any of us glorifying uh, suicide. Well, it's like even like when it comes to like people who have um, like, you know, blood fetishes and stuff like, you know, for example, like with, you know, the documentary, I Cut Your Flesh, it's like, you know, some people just do this because they enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. And I know some people it's like, you know, some people want to, you know, come in and try to stop these people from doing that. But same time, it's like. I guess it's it's a complicated thing too because it's like, like, are they harming anyone but themselves? No. So, I mean, sometimes you just gotta let people do what they're gonna do. I guess you know. Yeah, and like we, which is another great thing about the documentary. Me and Matt had like a very long conversation afterwards about like you know why people like see like white gardenia stuff as like taboo and fucked up. But, you know, not saying like, there's definitely people who see like suspension and extreme body modification and stuff like that as fucked up. But it seems to be more accepted because it's done in a more controlled environment. When at the end of the day, it's like it it's all self-mutilation. It's all the same at its core. You know, so like we had this very long conversation that I thought was like, you know, like what what's the difference? You kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um, I saw sam hell and i can't remember her name miss socks the actress in um i cut your flesh and we we're at a horror convention and my sister was with me and it was like you can pay her five dollars to staple her and so my sister gave her five bucks to staple her and and my sister was like well where can i staple you and she's like wherever and uh my sister thought that was fun like she thought it was and i don't and i guess that like in the suspension world or in the weird jackass world where you can like stay staple each other and do stuff like that. No one ties that to death, you know, that's kind of like, Oh, those are a bunch of freaks maybe, but uh, it doesn't have the same, I guess, ethical weight that people put on white gardenia for some reason. What's well, even like you know with the world of like uh, deathmatch wrestling where they use like glass and barbed wire and all this stuff to hurt one another, but it's all done because they love the art form, not because they, you know, have some kind of like deep seated self hatred or something like that. They do it because they just enjoy, you know, enjoy that, enjoy the thrill of it. Mm-hmm. It's like that makes know. me think about a uh, that that. A juggalo guy, a superhuman or whatever. Yeah. Who, <laughs> love that, dude. Yeah. that dude's great. But he like jumps on cheese graters and fucking. He's probably broken his elbow like eight million times, and <laughs> his elbows will be fucking shattered. <laughs> well, it's like me and Matt went to a. Uh, it wasn't even a horror convention. It was like a Halloween convention, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, it's a family friendly show and they did a live suspension show right in the middle of the, the con. It's like, I don't know. And people were definitely like, what the fuck? But it wasn't like the same as like when you see like a white, which I know it's like no one's stapling their balls to the <laughs> table or anything, but you know, you know, it gets more extreme than what we got to see there too. So it's like, it's just an interesting conversation. Like why this is kind of considered okay, but this isn't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another thing about the documentary I really love too is like you bring in particular one scene that I really love in particular is uh, the the scene with Allison in her like a little boneyard. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very human moment. Talk a little bit about like that day and what it was like shooting all that. So I had been told, so Allison and I both really like uh, oddities. We both like true crime. We both like, I would say we have similar attitudes around death and stuff like that. And she actually was doing work or something in Germany and actually came back to Montana to be a part of this documentary, which I was really glad that she did. And she, all I had been told was that she had this like special place that she wanted to share with me. And I I had no idea what it would, would be. I didn't, I didn't know. And we, we drive 
through the middle of fucking nowhere and she just pulls off on the side of the road and she's like she looked at me and she was like are you squeamish and i went no she's like do you have a weak stomach and i went no and she's like okay and all of a sudden i just get this whiff of death like it smells like rotting animal body parts you know and all of a sudden i looked at like we're walking down this bank and I and I'm like looking down at my feet and I'm like stepping on carcasses and I'm like, what the fuck? And I was like, what is this? And she's like, and she didn't say anything. And she just just like I'll she didn't say anything. And I immediately was like, I just need to turn my camera on. Like, I don't even know what's happening. And so pretty much I start recording right as she's like just grabs a fucking like deer carcass and just starts dragging it through the through the brush. And that's genuinely my reaction. I'm just like, what the, f-? like, I was like, this is super cool, but what is this, you know? And I'm from San Diego. Like we don't have hunting's not a big thing out here. None of that stuff. And I just see bones everywhere and, uh, and, and rotting carcasses everywhere. And she uh, tells me that this is uh, a hunter's dump. And I guess, if you live, if you're like into hunting and you live in a rural area, like there's spots where people just dump carcasses that they don't want. And, uh, she, that's like one of her favorite spots to go to. And she will actually take the animal remains and like put them in a circle and she'll meditate or just hang out there and breathe in the death. And, uh, I thought there was like kind of a beauty to it. And, um, it kind of led into a conversation that that around the world there are places that are very death folk like centered like i went to when i was 19 i went to rwanda and i actually went to some of the places where there was burial grounds for the genocide and there was literally just bones everywhere and um and there's just places like that there's places whether it's animal carcasses or whether it's human human remains there's places on this planet that are just death centered death focused you can even talk about the uh catacombs in paris you know and so it was a much smaller scale kind of thing but it definitely felt like uh and i i mean everyone has their different convictions but like it felt you could feel the energy change when you were in there and uh and I mean, she articulated her attitudes about it and everything. I, I kind of felt the same with her. Um, I think that like people, people have this, they reject or push away the thought of death, but death is as much a part of life as birth is. So the two things that are absolutely guaranteed in your life is that you will be born and you die. And so to me, there could be as much, uh, I'll use the word devotion, but I mean, devotion as devoted to attention that you can have as much devotion and focus on life as you do death, you know, and there's the, the, the study of death is called thanatology. And I think thanatology is uh, a fascinating subject and just as important, just as important as, um, as, someone who's focused on, on creating life. And, um, there's, what are they called? Uh, doulas. There's, there's doulas that are used to help with like pregnancies and help, help generate life. But there's also death doulas who help transition people, uh, through the process of death. And so, uh, I was, that's honestly probably one of my favorite parts of the documentary because I wasn't expecting to like dive into that world with this documentary. But uh, the fact that I do think it was special that Allison took me there. Like, I really feel honored that she took me to that, that place and we got to hang out there. And I even asked her, I said, is it okay if I take a souvenir from here? And she said, yeah. So I ended up taking a, a like call it like a collarbone of it, of an animal um but yeah that that place really felt special and it was cool like so much of the documentary is centered around daniel talking about his attitudes towards death 
but I'm so glad that we got to do almost like a really private deep dive into Allison's attitudes and how their practices of self-harm kind of explore different avenues. So it's something I think the doc does like very, very well is like when you, you know, look into the world of white gardenia through the, you know, their body of work, it's very easy to be like, Oh, you know, these people are, you know, extremely, you know, scary people or, you know, whatever, but you do an amazing job of humanizing them Mm -hmm. by just having them talk and explore, you know, their, you know, their hobbies, their fascinations with things. So like, was that, was that a goal you had in mind from the start was to like just explore each and every member of the group to um, just to humanize them a bit? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what I try to do with um, a lot of my work, like, especially with like my podcast or like sitting down I'm re- I really love character studies, like getting to know a person. And especially if the person is has a infamacy for something, you know, like behind that is still a person. You know, even when I interview like murderers, like, yes, this person has become a boogeyman and they're scary and they did something horrific, but they still are a human being, you know, and it's interesting to and I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I'm not saying that, that it's just who are you, you know? And so with, that's kind of how I felt with this, like, who is the person who cut her pussy lips off? Like, who are you? Like, I'm interested, you know, same with Daniel, who, who is this person who cut their finger off, you know? And, and Allison too, like, who's this, this hot girl who drinks human blood, you know, like who, who is that, you know? And so, uh, that's definitely what I wanted to do. And like at the end of that exploration, that character study, you that person may still be unlikable. That person may still be uh, as shitty as you assumed they would be, or they're they're more complex than that. And you kind of understand a little bit better, you know? It's, it's oh, yeah. you know, going back to, almost going back to Paradise Lost, like Damien Eccles, looked like a child killer at first but by the end of it you're like oh this is a misunderstood person or potentially a misunderstood person so to me i always i guess my mindset is there's there's always more to the picture than what you are initially presented and i i just am interested in getting the full scope or as much as i possibly can about these interesting situations I mean, that's, that's like the truest form of uh, journalism, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just going out and talking with someone and figuring out who they are, regardless of what they did or what they do. Yeah, it's I don't I, I, I'm not calling myself this, but it's one thing I like about um, anthropology, like an anthropologist comes in and just wants to learn about a culture. And it's not there's no judgment to it. It's just. This is this is what they believe. This is what they do. And that's kind of how I like to approach things is I'm not going to come in here and project my beliefs or my attitudes. I'm just going to come in here and be objective and and just kind of see see this this interesting world, you know? Yeah. And, and to go back to that Allison moment just a little bit, just because I, I, to me it was like one of my favorite parts of the documentary in multiple ways, like in the editing too, where it's like in the middle of all this chaos, there's this kind of quaint, quiet, serene moment. And it like captures like, her, I feel like, you know, the atmosphere captures her kind of mentality of death. I don't know. I just think that's like, it was a, a great choice to like do that in the documentary because it easily could have just been like chaos, 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 chaos. But to have that one moment in there where it's like, well, actually, you know, this goes a little deeper than you even think it does, you know? So yeah, I just want to give you credit for that. I think that was brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I, I mean, people may not share this, this attitude, but I felt like it was a beaut. It's like the beautiful, it's like a beautiful part in the documentary. Like within all this brutality of whatever you have this respect, I would say respect for, death in it so absolutely but um moving forward with it a little bit it's like 
probably what's going to become the most infamous scene in the documentary is the, we've alluded to it many times, but the nailing of the balls. Um, just going into that, like before you got there, how much of it did you know what was going to happen and what was kind of like your feelings leading up to it? Um, he eventually I got Daniel to tell me like, what is it that we're going to do? And he told me that he wanted to do a remake or a redo of him nailing his balls to the table and that he had, he had done it before. So if you watch uh torture theater, he does, he does it, but um, he wanted to, to expand on it. So they end up wanting to do a candelabra where they heat up the, nail so that he, they nail his testicles to the table then they use a blowtorch and heat up the nails and put candles on them and light the candles and he just kept telling me that we're we're going to be shooting at a house and um i was like okay but then once we got there i was like this is an abandoned house like this is a this is just and uh he was very um what is the word I want to use? Uh, he was very, he didn't give me all the pieces a lot of the time, like throughout everything that we were doing. Like I never really understood. I never went to Daniel's house. I didn't know where he lived. I didn't know what he does. And we go to this house and I start asking questions about the house and I captured on camera. I ask him like, so do you own this house? And he's like, kind of, I don't know. He's like, it's, we can be here basically. And that was a lot of how he would tell me things. And I just kind of was like, okay, well, I guess whatever. Like, (laughs) and so I I didn't know if someone was going to show up at some point and be like, what the fuck are you guys doing in my house or whatever. And um, I just kind of rolled, rolled with stuff all the time. So I felt a little bit nervous just about like, us being there because it didn't feel super solid of a shooting location (laughs) but uh and they're like it had electricity and that was it it didn't have water it didn't have whatever daniel like you'll notice if you watch the documentary like it was cold so daniel just turned the oven on and so you can see like the the the, and it was like smoking and stuff i was like hey dude like it's smoking and he's like it's fine i was like <laughs> i was just like okay and uh yeah and we didn't have all of all the things we needed so we had to kept driving into town and like we we're in this town called anaconda which is like this small as fuck like town and like we're going in there and we're like buying things and coming back and buying more things and we didn't end up shooting until like late at night. And uh, I just didn't know like how things were going to go. And I didn't even really know what they were going to do. Like all I really knew was they were going to nail Daniel's balls to the table. And I just was going to roll with it. And then Daniel asked me to, to actually be involved and actually like do the cinematography for it. And I was excited. uh, And also I guess kind of nervous because I had never seen someone do anything like that in real, like in front of me. Um, And, uh, but, but I guess to me, like as a filmmaker, I do this a lot is I'll, I kind of like separate myself from the action and just be like, you need to get the right shot. And so while all that was happening, while, while we were nailing his balls down and all that kind of stuff, I was just focusing on cinematography and like what looks good and not, and I completely detached from thinking about what Daniel was going through, because if I started thinking about what Daniel was going through, I probably would have been like, Oh God, you know, like as a guy having your balls nailed, watching someone get their balls nailed is pretty gnarly. And it wasn't until afterwards when we were driving back that I was sitting and being like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what the <laughs> like, how did I, how do I get myself in these weird situations? And, uh, and I was sitting there kind of thinking like, did, did I, did this go too far? Like, did I go too far? Like, uh, I don't know. But then once I started editing it and everything, I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. But, but like, 
I guess it took me a day to like process what I had just been involved in and shot and all this stuff. Cause it was crazy. It felt like I was like on the set of a extreme Japanese, like J uh, uh, like adult video or whatever, like where they're like, felt like I was on the set of, I don't know, something fucked up. I, I mean, I was, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean I don't, I don't <laughs> so it just felt, it, I guess it felt un unreal to be doing that, I guess. Um, and yeah, I mean, afterwards I asked him like, how are you doing? And he was like, good. And the next day we hung out and I think I had one more interview that I had to do after that. And it was a wrap and we like all like got food and stuff. So, and I asked him the next day, like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm fine. It's cool. So, and that was, I guess the whole part, the whole thing about the movie, the documentary was I wanted to talk to Daniel after he did it. Like, what is, what is, what is uh, the healing and post post that like? And uh, I feel like I got to show that, like I asked him how he was doing and stuff, but uh, that was the question that itched my brain the most is like, what are the days after you mutilate yourself like and it's like going to getting burgers and hanging out so it's a wild shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like i don't know i know that i have a broken sense of humor so anything anytime something starts going wrong i can start to giggle a little bit but i, I feel like there has to be some bit of humor injected in to what he does because it's like you know, it's like I'm sitting there watching, oh, this is really fucked up. But then she starts, like, humiliating him and, like, making fun of his dick and stuff like that. And I'm just, like, and then, like, calling him a pussy and shit. And I'm like, all right, this has to be somewhat intentionally humorous. <laughs> like, do you think that? Or, like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think Cherokee is just kind of, like, a fun person. And I think there was supposed to be humor with it. Like, the whole thing about... um he wanted to be called Liberace in it. Like if you watch yeah. it, he, he's like, he's like, call me Liberace. And even in the beginning, before we even did anything, he like sat down and he said, okay, I want you to do all this stuff. And he's like, and at the end, I want you to call me Liberace. And like, I just thought that was funny. Like, I don't know. I don't know what Daniel's like, cr what he's envisioning with this Liberace thing, but it's just like, what a weird like thing to throw in there. And I don't know if there's humor to it, but I felt like it was funny. Like, I mean, even at the end when we're done, <clears throat> Daniel looks at me and he goes, I hope that looked good. And I was just kind of like, I guess I'd be, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I ca I captured what we did, but it was, it was crazy. But yeah, I was, I think there was funny. I think that that last scene was probably supposed to be funny. I hope, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, that, I, th I thought there was parts of it that were really funny, especially him. Like he was really hung up on his nose showing he didn't want his nose to show and you'll even see that on there he's like while he's getting his balls nailed he's like is my nose showing and you're just like what the fuck like <laughs> but i mean i think we all had different objectives like doing that scene like daniel had his own vision of how he wanted it to be and then i think cherokee was just excited to dominate somebody because she's like a sadist and then I was just kind of happy to be there and watch the process. And I think that's, I think that's where how white Gardini makes their stuff is they find random places where they can shoot and they shoot. And this time happened to be in a random house. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like, like you just talking about like him being like, like, Oh, do you own this? It's like, well, you know, that part I was like, Fuck. I was like, yeah, because he's like, well, no, but yeah. yeah, it's like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did it as like when I got answers like that, I was just like, all right, well, whatever, like, well, just keep going, you know, and like, same with out, like Cherokee wanted to show me this tree that got cut down out in the woods and i was just like okay so we went out in the woods and she showed me this tree and i was like sick you know <laughs> there's actually a lot of stuff that like didn't make the cut because it's such a long documentary but like cherokee is really into like uh collecting um like horses and she has like a whole big horse collection and i was like show me your horses and i guess it's called like briar fest or something and like people have their actual 
they have a real horse, like a person owns a real horse and then they make dolls out of the horses and people will like bring their horse dolls to Briarfest and then the owner will sign it for you and you get to really meet fucking whatever the horse, like Biscuit or something like, oh my God, Biscuit's here. And you like take a picture with the horse. And I was like, and that's the thing I just love about film like documentaries is I get to meet these weird people. Like I don't purse. I will never go to Briarfest probably, but it was cool to have like a little window into this like world. I didn't know anything about, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm a fucking nerd about stuff. It's cool to see other people have passions and be nerds about stuff. And it was cool to have all of them show me the things that were special to them. Like Allison showing me her death pit and, and Cherokee showing me her horses and showing me this tree that fell down and like, and Daniel just introducing me to his whole world and taking me to abandoned houses to shoot weird shit. Like, I don't know. It's <laughs> it cool. Yeah. It was a once in a lifetime experience. So, you know, kind of before you started the editing process and like, the reverse cut and everything how was you feeling about the project like before you kind of put it together and got to see what it was what was your feelings on it um well obviously like daniel is very uh passionate about his beliefs and and his art and so he would talk pretty at length about like these different topics and so what i ended up having to do which i probably will do with other documentaries too in fact i did i've done it with the um if trees can talk as well is i will interview people and then i'll interview them again like the next day I'll, i'll ask them the same set of questions because i think for a lot of people they've never been interviewed they've never been on camera and it's a little nerve wracking you know you're sitting there and you're trying to think of giving the best answer and a lot of people i've they've literally told me they went man i was laying in bed thinking oh i should have said this or i should have brought this up and so that's why i will ask the same set of questions over and over and over again because i feel like it gives them that chance to add more if they want to add more and so the post production thing was um i basically took i sat and i went okay this is everything that we shot and i created almost like a itinerary of like where how do i want this documentary to go and we're going to talk about this this so we have talking point a b c d whatever and so i basically would break it into segments so um for example i interviewed daniel several times about him cutting his finger off so okay i'm editing the segment for cutting his finger off i'm going to shave everything down to its most important points you know and that's kind of how i ended up making the documentary was breaking all that stuff down but i i always feel like this after making a movie like you have hours and hours and hours of footage that you have to turn into an hour and a half or two hours or whatever and so i felt a little overwhelmed at first and and i knew and the very first thing that i edited i think because i was just excited was i edited the last the end which was nailing his balls and all that kind of stuff and that in itself was like almost 20 minutes and i was like oh man how much more how much more time do i have to fit all this other stuff in and that's why it ended up being two hours long uh but i've even though two hours is a long documentary i've talked to a lot i've shown it to a lot of people and i feel the same way like there's not a part that i would want to cut out you know i think it's there's not there's no fluff the whole time it's kind of like interesting point, interesting point, interesting point. And um, I, I, there's not a piece I'd want to take away. And most people I know, or most people I've talked to said that those two hours went by pretty quick. So. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we were always honest. I won't lie. When I saw the runtime, I was like, Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does. It just screams by like once it was over, I was like, it did not feel like two hours. So <laughs> it worked out yeah. really good. Yeah. Thank you. What were what were your guys' favorite parts of the documentary? I really the Allison part. That was really yeah. like I don't know. There was just something very like almost wholesome about the whole thing. 
that I don't know, which is very interesting to me to see that in the middle of this, like people chopping bits off and stabbing <laughs> themselves and shit. <laughs> yeah, just just to like, um, just out. Yeah, so that that scene in particular is like super like. It is, it, like, as John said, it is somehow a wholesome moment in this, like, world of, like, real nasty shit. <laughs> but you, you're able to do that, you know, very, very well with, you know, everybody in the dock. Like, everyone gets to get, you know, their ideas and their points of view across. Like, you know, even, like, you know, Cherokee, you know, showing you the, the, the tree and whatnot and, you know, and just talking about, you know, this and that. You're... You're just able to let these people talk freely and, you know, without any, like, potential, like, I guess, like, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Um, you're, just, you're just able to let them get what's on their mind out there and what their motivations are and let them express themselves and see themselves as, you know, humanize themselves for your, your documentary. Whereas, you know, a lot of other projects, you know, or other documentaries don't do that. Some documentaries want to make it seem like they're even more, you know, out there and extreme or, you know, fucked up. But your document, you really sat down with them and let them humanize themselves. Yeah. And like to like to add on to that point, it's like, yes, this documentary is fucked up. There's a lot of fucked up shit in it. It's it's extreme it gets. But then you really see like their relationship with one another as well. And there seems to be a lot of love there. They seem to really care about each other. And that adds more to it in a weird way. (laughs) Yeah, they're all they're all really close, which is cool. I mean, I feel like you kind of have to be if you're gonna be doing that stuff. True. (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah. So from the time you watched Split to when it was all said and done, how do you feel about White Gardenia now? <laughs> like, what are your thoughts? Uh, I like them. I mean, I, I feel I'm glad that I have uh, actually gotten to know these people and, like, have developed relationships with them. And, like, I don't particularly, like, share Daniel's convictions, but I really like how interesting of a person he is and unique he is like his attitudes about air fresheners is fucking wild and <laughs> i love it <laughs> you know i like like interesting people and i mean i know a lot of people will probably say i'm eccentric and interesting and uh and that's fine i want i like people i like people who just unapologetically are themselves and are into who, what they're into and like i I don't know. I just think when I meet people who are who are just unapologetically themselves, I just think, fuck yeah. You know, like you're living it, you know, and so and I would I've told Daniel a million times that if he ever decides to cut anything else off, I want to be there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he said, yeah. So um, I don't know if that'll ever happen or whatever, but yeah, we have we've. I feel like I've become friends with all of them and, and it's pretty cool. And I've, he's coming out with like a, a biblical, uh, series. And I, I entered, um, I made a short for it. So I feel like we've become closer. Like it's kind of like the horror, the horror underground is so small as it is. Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't all just be friends, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I agreed. And he is a nice guy. Like the little interaction we've had, he is actually a very nice guy. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he's he's really into he's really into Christianity and veganism and uh, and transhumanism. And I I'm not, but I like that about him. I think it's sick. You know. Mm. So as we alluded to at the beginning of, the, of this, uh, you're a busy man. Um. So what's coming next to the pipeline for future productions? Um, I have my documentary, um, if trees can talk, which is uh, a conversation. The tagline is a conversation with Terry Hobbs. Terry Hobbs is the stepfather of Stevie branch, who was one of the three, eight year old boys that were murdered in the Robin hood Hills murders, which came to be known as the West Memphis three case. And there's a lot of people who think that Terry Hobbs 
had involvement in the murder of those three boys. Um, and, and so we went out there and we, we talked to him and asked him and I point blank asked Terry if he was involved. I asked him about, uh, all of it. And, uh, so that is in post-production right now. Uh, I'm finishing that up. Um, that should be within the next couple months. Um, you should see a trailer and, and hopefully, uh, yeah, so I'm working on that. And then I also am working on going beyond the disturbing movie Iceberg, um, which is going to be a documentary about the disturbing movie Iceberg, uh, which I'm sure everyone who watches is familiar with. But for those who don't know, uh, basically in 2021, a iceberg came out talking about like the most extreme horror films out there. Uh, and it is... A hot mess and has uh and had and led to a lot of misinformation out there and so basically i kind of make sense of the disturbing movie iceberg like breakdown breakdown its structure and its components but then i also uh interview figures within the underground who have films directly involved in it you know i i talked to um I talked to the, the director of August Underground. I talked to the director of, um, I'm trying to get Carl York from Cannibal Holocaust to be there. I interviewed you guys, you know, I interviewed people, the people who actually watch these films are fans of these films are the directors of these films, um, who are actually part of this community to kind of give clarity to this, this, uh iceberg that really kind of like at worst uh may created a lot of uh inaccurate statements and information about about our community so i'm try i try not to be again i'm trying not to be just shit on it and stuff i think that it was an entry point for a lot of people but i i just kind of want to correct the wrongs that came from from that so that's going to be really interesting that one's going to be extreme too because i'm i'm going to show uh people have done a lot of youtube stuff and like and haven't seen these films and made a bunch of claims about it but i'm just going to show i'm just going to show exactly like footage from the films and people talking about the films. so it's going to be that iceberg but you actually get to see see it so that's probably going to be pretty controversial too uh and then i have i have like I'm not kidding, like three other documentaries or films that I'm making that will come out next year that I can't announce yet, but I'm very busy. So <laughs> there's lots of, <laughs> and, and I'm planning at the beginning of next year to relaunch cinema's underbelly and all my YouTube stuff. So that should be coming back too. So um, I'm just leaning in hundred percent on putrid productions and everything that is putrid productions. And so there's a lot more to come. Hell yeah. And uh, as always, we look forward to all of it and you're always welcome to come and talk about anything you want to talk about. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, so thanks for having me on and I, I love you guys show. So you guys keep it up too. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love fest over here <laughs> <laughs>